0: Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Connell. Danny Connell, back to throw versus Denver. He's his tight end and Rajah Bell. Bell has done everything. Twenty-two
1: for Rajah. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me.
2: What's good, everybody? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. DK off for one more day. Roger Bell, Tommy Tran here with you. Roger, how you doing, man?
1: Good, brother. Slept wrong last night. Wrong or long? Yeah, like, wrong. Oh, okay. Wish it was longer, but,
2: like, you know, you okay. wake up, you just feel a little, like, a little it, just needs, it just needs okay. to pop. I wonder how much sleep Ryan Wilson's gotten, by the way. The dude's been working crazy hours yeah. for us. Doing HQ hits, sports line, and, of course, Cannell and Bell. So, without further ado, let's welcome in Ryan Wilson here. Ryan, you're out in Indy one more day. The DBs are, are, are out there. But all the news, of course, is still about Kyler Murray. I want to get your thoughts first uh, as we unpack the OU quarterback a little bit. Then all of a sudden, through this weekend, even though he didn't run and even though he didn't throw, he's now regarded as the universal number one pick. How did we get to this
0: point? Well, here's the thing, Tommy T. He showed up. He was taller than we expected. We had no idea what he was going to be. He was 5'10 and change. Uh, as I've been saying all week, the only person upset by that is Pete Prisco, which is, you know, the, watch out for the irony piano falling on him. But his hands are bigger than we expected, slightly bigger than Baker Mayfield's. And he actually came here weighing more than Russell Wilson weighed when he showed up at the combine back in 2012. So you check all those boxes. We know what he can do on the field. Uh, Prisco reported this last week. There are some concerns that he didn't blow teams away in, in the X's and O's portion of the board work. But I feel like when you watch him play, you see what he does. Uh, he came out of here a, an absolute winner. Also, something else to consider is that the other quarterbacks didn't blow anyone away on the field to the, the workout uh, uh, that we saw two days ago. Kyler was standing around with his teammates, but Dwayne Haskins didn't set the world on fire. Drew Locke was okay. Daniel Jones was okay. But no one absolutely took the bull by the horns and said, all right, I'm going to be the number one pick. You're looking there at my latest mock draft, Tommy and Raja, and have Kyler going number one to the Cardinals. That was another talking point here. Is that a possibility? It certainly sounds like it could be, even though Josh Rosen went number 10 overall. They've committed to him, uh, Steve Kime, the GM, and Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach. But don't be surprised if some moving and shaking. And if it's not the Cardinals, some other team moves up to number 1 to to get Kyler Murray.
2: I was going to say you were about to leave it open for me to follow up, but it looks like I know where you're going because I was going to say outside of the Cardinals' connection with
0: Kingsbury, is Kyler Murray really regarded as the top quarterback over Dwayne Haskins at this point? Here's the thing. I came into this week. Dwayne Haskins was my number one. He remains my number one. There's still some things that we have to see from Kyler Murray. He is five ten and a half. Uh I think he's going to be fine. He's my number two quarterback. He's 1B for me. But there are other things that go into this, Tommy. Teams that need to get uh, to uh, get the fan base fired up after a, su- a subpar season or two. Uh, what if the Cowboys – excuse me, the Cowboys. That would be something. What if the Broncos and John Elway fall in love with Kyler Murray? We know that John Elway has been, quote-unquote, smitten through lock. But what if they come around to Kyler Murray and decide to move all the way up to get him to finally break that two ga- uh, two-year losing streak? So there, there's some intrigue and a lot to figure out in the 50-something days before the draft. But for me, Dwayne Haskins is the safe pick. He's a pick that somewhere like the Jaguars had they not gotten Nick Foles – but certainly the Giants would be eyeing very closely. But Kyler Murray's the wild card. He's the guy that can come in and do what Baker Mayfield did last year for the Cleveland Browns. It's just a matter of finding that team that's willing to do that. And, uh, just sort of a long shot, some team to keep an eye on, uh, at 15, the Washington Redskins, who desperately need to get fan base back on their side, desperately need a quarterback because we don't know what's going to happen to Alex Smith. And if they moved up to top three, Two, that's going to be a story we we'll be talking about in the weeks leading up to the draft. Should that happen,
1: Ryan? Look, I'm fascinated with DK Metcalf. Uh, you know, he goes out, he runs a four three three at his size. He puts up 27 on the bench, goes 40 inches in the vert, uh, and then he turns around and has these like less than less than average numbers in in the three cone drill and the and the 20 yard shuttle. So, like, what am I supposed to think? Do the do the numbers in the 40 and the vert do they do they outweigh what he did in the 3 cone drill in the shuttle or or should we be concerned about his ability to to get in out of a- in and out of routes, like what? What are scouts left thinking about the performance that he had this week?
0: No, you're, you're exactly hitting on it, Roger. Because uh, we're looking there, at this graphic that four three three just blew people away. And by the time you picked your job off the floor, we're looking at the three cone and broad jump, uh or excuse me, twenty cone shuttle, and going, wait a second. And twenty seventh and thirtieth, we see there. But if you look percentile wise, it was like bottom three, bottom four percentile among all wide receivers, and that includes Hunter Renfro, who I, I like to make fun of, but he is a baller. But he's uh, Seven-and-a-half-inch hands, weighed 178, but he just catches balls. But So what does this mean for D.K. Metcalf? Here's the thing. It, you go back, you watch more tape of this guy. He only played seven games last year because of a neck injury. I, I think we haven't heard anything about the medicals there, so I'm, I'm assuming that cleared. But you watch him play, and I know one of the favorite highlights here when, when we talk about D.K. is that Alabama game, the first play of the game, the one-handed 75-yard catch, he just blew past the cornerback. Also, at Ole Miss, you don't run a lot of routes uh, in in that offense with the wide receivers outside. He and DeMarcus Lodge are on the other side. So NFL teams have to figure out, can he run routes underneath consistently? Can he do the entire route tree? But I'm telling you, he blows the top off of coverage. He reminds me of Josh Gordon. I know Brady Quinn thought Terrell Owens was a comparison. And if you're talking Josh Gordon, Terrell Owens on the field, you give this guy a second look. I think this catapults him into the top ten despite the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle we saw there because he does everything else entirely. It just blows your mind, and it just confirms what you saw on tape. But again, they'll go back and kick the tires on the other things to make sure that they you know dot the i's and cross the T's. But but I like him as a top-ten pick right now.
2: Ryan, do you hear anything about how he interviewed? Obviously, we're focusing on all the measurables and the things that he did that we could see on tape, but just obviously some of the other things obvious that is included in this process. How did he sort of uh, go through some of those talking to different teams?
0: You know, Tommy, I haven't heard anything, and that's probably a good sign for D.K. Metcalf. Uh, we, we have heard things from other guys. I think we're going to talk about that later. And if it gets out into the to the media you know something went wrong uh i mentioned prisco earlier heard things about kyler murray no words on dk metcalf and i'm convinced short of hearing something that comes out and the medicals being clear because i think the medicals are the biggest I- issue a neck injury is nothing to joke around about if those are all good i i think he he's good to go and look if he goes somewhere like nine to the buffalo bills a team that desperately needs to get weapons for josh allen i don't think anyone's complaining about that especially josh allen
1: uh, let's talk about the defensive lineman. Obviously it's it's the deepest, most talked about, uh, you know, position in the draft. Talk to us about, uh, you know, how good this class actually is and what were some of your impressions that you took away from the weekend?
0: I'm shaking my head, Roger, because you watch these guys run at 260 uh, to over 300 pounds and, and this is like a trap meet. Montez, uh, Sweat, he's number 11 there. On the forty yard dash times. Four four one. He weighs about two sixty. We were at the senior bowl in January and he set the world on fire there just in terms of the one-on-one drills he was doing, just in terms of how he played. That's more about man on man. You can see these guys play some football. But then he comes here to the combine and blows it away with a four-four-one. He ran faster than Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown when they were here. And that tells you all you need to know. He was the bottom of the first-round guy for me before this. I have him moved him up to the middle of the first round. By the time this is over, he could find himself in the top ten. Rashawn Gary is another guy, 458 at 280 pounds. Are you kidding me? I texted someone really close to him while he was running, and he said, yeah, man, he's a freak. I told you, and that was confirmed. He is indeed a freak. Uh, Quentin Williams, top three pick, could maybe be the top overall pick. 483 at 200, 303 pounds. Again, what are we doing here? This is absolutely off-the-ball bonkers, and it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the the coaches be blown away, and it's fun to watch with a group of media people who have seen this the entire 10, 15, 20 years be blown away by that. This defensive line class, this edge rush class is one of the best in recent years.
2: Ryan, what are we to make of Ed Oliver, a guy that around this time last year people thought could be the number 1 overall pick, easily the best defensive player, and as the year has gone on, yes, there's a lot of depth at this position, which is part of it, but also the way he ended his tenure at Houston has a little bit to do with that, too. What were some of your takeaways and things that you heard about him, the guy, the coup right now?
0: Well, he's not going to run until his 40-day, Tommy. He did his vert today. I think it was uh, 36, which certainly isn't bad for someone who weighs 290 pounds. And part of me thinks it's, it's uh, part out of sight, out of mind. He only played a few games because of the knee injury. He was on the sidelines. You mentioned Puffy Coatgate with Major Applewhite. Major Applewhite's now no longer longer there in Houston. And all the other guys we were just talking about ran. They all put up impressive numbers for the most part. Ed Oliver didn't get his chance to do that. He's going to save it for his pro day. And also, here's something else, Tommy T. Early in the week, he was one of the five or six players asked to try out at different positions. He was asked to try out at linebacker. I mean, a 290-pound linebacker would be something to behold in the middle of the defense. But he is explosive. There's no takeaway from that. He's not going to play over center the next level. He'll be a three technique where he can shoot the gaps. And NFL teams know that. But it's just a matter of, of doing the, all the other work on him that they weren't able to do because he didn't compete in all, all the drills. Not, not certainly into the world. At the end of the day, he could actually be a top-ten pick where, where most people have him going. But he hasn't been competing like the other guys. And when we see these other guys, the Josh Allen, Samontez Montez Sweats, the Quentin Williams, we sort of forget about, oh, yeah, Ed Oliver. We were talking about him uh, eight, nine months ago as a number one or number two overall pick.
1: Ryan, what are we looking for today with the DBs? They'll obviously be out there running in, in, on field. So uh, anybody stick out to you?
0: Uh, yes, Raja. And DBs, more than any other group, needs to run good 40 times. And this group, I've been scrolling through Twitter uh, preparing for this, and they are lighting it up. Greedy Williams, a number one quarterback for a lot of people. I have him number two on my board. He ran a 4-3-8. Uh, that'll work. <laughs> DeAndre Baker, on the other hand, who is my number three cornerback, I love him a lot. He ran a four-five-three, and that's an issue for teams. 4-5-3, the last cornerback that ran a 4-5 or more to go in the first round was Vernon Hargraves for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a few years ago. So that's, a, that's an issue. 4-5 seems plenty fast, but when you're going up against the DK Metcalfs of the world, that's something you have to think about. Uh, they're uh, going to be running big, tall uh, cornerbacks as well. Uh, there's a guy, Justin Lane. I love a lot. Ran a four five. That's a good time for a guy, someone who's six two a converted wide receiver out of Michigan state. Jamel Dean out of Auburn six, two. He is built like a linebacker. And if you watch him play, he's as physical. He gets in and out of his breaks. He ran a four, three, one. So guess what uh, Jamal Dean did today? He made himself a little money. Uh, so these are the guys to watch Lonnie Johnson's another guy out of, uh, Kentucky, 6'2", guy, ran a really good time, 4'5". Isaiah Johnson at Houston, 6'3", guy, former wide receiver, ran in the four fours I believe. So these guys are trucking, and it, they're going to make themselves some money by running these sub four 40s. Ryan, when you look at
2: uh, the totality of all the players and the position groups that you've been able to look at and evaluate and research this weekend, is there a group that underwhelmed you the most?
0: Well, as a group, the linebackers, there, there isn't a lot of depth there. Devin White yesterday... Devin Bush yesterday out of LSU and Michigan. Those guys ran four four times, below four fours, first-round picks. We knew Devin White was legit coming in. There were some questions about Devin Bush. I had him going 20th to the Steelers. He feels a need there. Devin White could be a top-ten pick. He's so athletic. After that, okay, what happens? There isn't a lot of depth there. Mack Wilson, the Alabama linebacker, didn't run. He has a chance to be a borderline first-round, second-round pick, so he's going to have to prove that at his pro day. Someone like Terrell Hanks at New Mexico State, a guy who sort of made a name for himself at the Senior Bowl, a converted defensive back, super athletic, reminded folks sort of of what Darius Leonard was able to do last year coming out of South Carolina State, the second-round pick for the Colts. He ran a 4-9. That's not a good week for him. So he's going to have to sort that out and prove it at his pro day because people like him, but 4-9 is a non-starter.
2: Before we let you go, Ryan, again – Give us take us behind the curtain a little bit the the mo like the most odd or the craziest story or rumor or whatever you had on Indy.
0: What was it so far before you head back and uh get to New York here? Uh two things. Lonnie Johnson Jr., the cornerback the I mentioned out of Kentucky, said yesterday that uh, he met with the Seahawks, which makes sense. He's a six two long corner, super physical, but he got into a staring contest with a coach and <laughs> it was ten or fifteen or sixteen seconds, and he won it. So I guess that's a good sign. Uh, but that's, I mean, I've never been in a job interview where I had a steering contest with a guy who might hire me, but that's what we are doing here. Then there's Shakai Polite out of Florida. He met with uh, four or five teams. He said three or four of those teams, they only pointed out the bad things he did on tape. And that's all they talked about. They didn't talk about any of the successes he had last year at Florida. And they were looking to get a response out of him. I don't think he took it particularly well, and I, I think that's sort of the, what's coming out from from those meetings. So we'll see what happens. He's a fantastic player, but he might be one of those guys that falls down draft boards because of the interviews. Uh, he did say he met with the Rams. He thinks Sean McVay is really cool. He doesn't know how old he is, and he reminds him of his uncle. I don't know where uh, Sean McVay's an uncle anywhere, but <laughs> maybe uh, Ja'Kai Polite makes some sense at, at the Rams down there at 31.
2: All right, that's our Ryan Wilson, who just completed, I think, uh, hit number 107 for HQ there. Ryan, certainly appreciate it, man. Thanks for the hard work, and we'll talk soon, buddy. Thanks. So uh, he brought it up, and, and we'll talk about it next, and some of the crazy things that they do in the Combine, and it is uh, Lonnie Johnson, the Kentucky star there, talking about the staring contest that the Seahawks put him through. I've heard stories I've covered guys uh, back in my old job when they went to to the combine or pro day and, and they ask you like are you a dog? Are you a cat? Yeah. Like this kind of animal mm-hmm. like man like I I how would you supposed look, to react to that? Guy?
1: I I don't know. You Look when you go in again, everybody has their in-house counsel. Every team has their their sports psychologist guy and they've got you know their recipe for getting to the core of who Tommy Tran is. So they're going to put you through whatever they think is going to get to the core of that. Um, If you're a player You you just go in there And you have to Understand that You might hear Some crazy stuff And to the best Of your ability My advice would be Just be cool You know what I mean Like you can be Forthright you, you, You shouldn't get caught up in 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 lying cuz there's enough background these guys hire independent investigators to go out there and figure out, you know, if said story is true about you, like they'll figure it out. So don't go in there and lie. But when they ask you absurd stuff and they're putting you to the test, just be cool. You don't want to show any kind of real negative emotion in there like a Jakai polite, I feel bad for you. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was you targeted him. You wanted to see if they could get a rile out of him by talking about negative stuff and apparently, you know, the rumor is that he he didn't respond well to that. So to any player going in, hearing crazy stuff, you should assume that you will, and then when you're in there, just be cool.
2: It's interesting to me always, and we talk about Jakai Polite. Like, I wonder if that team does that particular sort of quote unquote drill for every player, like right. just focus on the negative stuff, or if they targeted something with him and said, "Boy, we want to see how he reacts," because that's the game you play. Like, if you just show all of his bad stuff. Obviously, it's like the opposite of, of what you have for demo reel or highlight right. reel. All your stuff's good. Like it's like same thing with all these high school kids with their huddle videos. They're not going to put in their bad stuff. They're getting exposed, right? Sure. So if you show them that, and they're like, take a back seat and don't do well. Then maybe that's character-wise something you're looking at. Yeah,
1: I would think. I mean, first of all, if they did it to everybody, you would probably hear that, right? You'd be like, well, the Seahawks man, all they ever do is target the negative. negative. They're trying to get a rile out of you." So probably what happened, and this happens in every sport at at, at, at most ages when you're starting to recruit people. There's a book on a guy. Like I'm coaching a high school team right now. You know, we got a really good player and every college coach that calls me asks me the same question about him. It's about his attitude. So there's a book on him. So there was a book on Jakai Polite. Um, and whatever team this was wanted to get to the bottom of it. And it probably was, you know, got a little temper, maybe a little hot headed, maybe doesn't deal with criticism well. Don't know if you could coach him. I'm, this is just, you know, me, me reading between the lines and they were trying to get to the bottom of that. And so again, when you go in there and, and when pointed questions are asked to you, be forthright. Um, let them know what happened. Be contrite if there was something bad and, 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 and apologetic and just say, you know, uh, it's a learning process. But when they're trying to get a rile out of you, you got to know what they're trying to do and you got to keep it cool.
2: Uh, let's get to Kyrie Irving and the Boston Celtics since the All Star break. Not good, and that continued last night against the Rockets. Rockets were two point underdogs on the road. Um, I only know that because I took them, so they yeah. lay that cash for me. But uh, for Boston, they have fallen on hard times, and we actually have some video of Kyrie before the game posted on the NBA Twitter. I really can't. So if you if you'd missed it there, basically it's him walking out and uh, he said, I'm not going to miss any more of this. Beep. When I'm done playing, someone there among the group says, uh, this is being recorded. And he said, quote, I don't care if it is. So, again, Kyrie had 24 points, but in a losing effort, we have been talking about Boston for weeks now, Raja. This is just the latest now of what Brad Stevens has to deal with. Head, <clears throat> tell me what you're thinking. Um.
1: Uh, you know, it's sad to see Kyrie come into a gym and be unhappy. Like, going to games when I played were the best part of my day. Do you know what I mean? Like, I loved to go to the arena. I loved walking in. I loved saying hi to, like, everybody that I saw every time I went into a game. Like, you know, I just was, I was happy on my way to the arena to play in the games. Like, it's what I, it's what I lived my life to do, play basketball. And I believe Kyrie, has kind of lived his life the same way. Like that's the only way you get to that point. It's the only way you're as good as he is. And so to see the joy of it for whatever reason robbed from him, you know, whether it's his own doing and he's just like unhappy um, or it's the situation that's making him unhappy in either case, like that's what sticks out from that video to me is like, man, you're on your way to what should be like a really, really fun thing and you look miserable, he looked miserable uh, walking in. You, you shouldn't feel like that um, when you're on your way to play a game that you love to play, especially a big one against against the Rockets on national TV.
2: Or so after the game, he had post-game media session just 80 seconds, right? So imagine a lot of questions being peppered his way. And so I'm going to give you the transcript. And again, short answers from Kyrie. Reporter goes, how tough was that one for you tonight? It was tough. What happened in the first half? We just didn't play well. In your career, have you ever gone through anything like this? Kyrie nods, doesn't really say anything. Uh, What do you have to do to turn it around? Just play better. Bigger challenge tonight, shooting struggles or defending rockets? Probably a little bit of both. What tweaks needed to defend the three-point line better? Just our rotation stuff, getting better on rotations. One more. Uh, Take anything for the fourth quarter rally? Not result in a win. Just got to play better. Look <clears throat> Kyrie fantastic
1: player um it doesn't appear to be working there in Boston, right they, like things have gotten when when things are the way they are when everyone looks miserable, you can see their body language. look at Terry Rogier after that play like they're still out there looking like an NBA team because they're playing you know like NBA teams can't just not show up. you got to go out there and play, but there's a level that championship teams or, or really good teams uh, a level of output that they give that, that that comes across on film and they're not doing that. It speaks to there being some kind of dark cloud over that organization. And, you know, look, I, whether it's fair to Kyrie or not, I, I think this experiment has probably run its course. I would, I would say that this offseason, they need to figure out if it's a sign and trade, um, or, or whatever has to happen, uh, to let Kyrie move on because Kyrie doesn't have a great track record. And, and I, I look, I, I like Kyrie. I like Kyrie's family. Kyrie's an excellent player, but this is, these are facts. When he is your number one alpha guy, his teams haven't ever won anything. They just haven't. When you put him, like, as this, the 1B or the second guy with a, a KD or LeBron or someone like that, that, that's got, there's proof that that wins. But as the guy, there's no proof to substantiate, like, that, that he wins at the NBA level. And so if you're those Celtics, and there's this funk, and you deem that, you know, whether they do or not, I don't know. But if Kyrie is the problem, then I wouldn't be afraid. You have some really good young assets. You have a really good young coach. It's, it might be
2: time to let that go. They have one of the more interesting dynamics, uh, team wise, because, like, for instance, they're sort of second max players, Gordon Hayward, which is, an, again, not that sort of alpha or 1A type guy. Certainly not on this team. What we were watching yesterday, too, right? So coming into that game, both Boston and Houston fifth in the standings in their respective mm-hmm. conferences. But Houston just looks like a team that likes playing with each other. And Boston, you just look the, at just the body language going on. And even when they were kind of trying to make that little bit of a run, it was almost more of a sigh of relief, not so much like, hey, we got this. There's that team cohesion. Here, they're going to go on this little four-game road trip right yeah. now. It's going to be like Dubs, Lakers, uh, Kings, and I think Suns at the end. So losing four out of five coming out of the break in this kind of funk, would you have rather go on the road or is this going to be just the beginning? Of something that goes really bad for them
1: here. No, I I, like, I don't know whether I'd rather go on the road or not. I don't have the answer to that, but I like I'd probably rather be home coming out of the break. Honestly, um, I, I, I but it hasn't gone well. I would imagine, you know, Boston bounces back. I don't think they're this team that's just going to just fall apart. But I think they'll be who they've been all year, where they'll have a few good games and then they'll then then they'll regress, like they kind of like the Lakers. You are who you are. Uh, They're trending in the wrong direction. You talked about those two teams, both at fifth in their respective conferences. Houston is trending in the right direction, like they're 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 healing both physically and spiritually. They're playing good basketball. They're starting to round into form. The momentum is building for them. Boston's going in the other direction, and that's scary when you've only got 18 games left in a season. That's not that many. It is, but it's not right, and so. You know, when you're trending in the wrong direction and the wheels are starting to fall off and you guys are just trying to hold it together the
2: best you can, that's not a good way to go into the playoffs. It's going to be Golden State, Sacramento, and then LA, LA, which will be Lakers and Clippers there, that four game road trip. And that's the other thing, like when they've had a little bit of these media spats from the Celtics, it's worked. They responded, like they went on the run and they started playing well. This compounds the fact because every time now that they lose, the more that they lose, the more Kyrie, this Kyrie you're going to get, it's not going to get any better, especially if they go out and lose the first two at Golden State, at Sacramento. Imagine what that marquee game on Saturday night with the Lakers is going to be like. Yeah,
1: look, they, and that's an exhausting thing, Tommy. That happened a few times, right, through the course of a season. If there's some dysfunction, something gets out, your team responds, boom, we're going to step up. Like, but that's not a sustainable thing. Every time you it can't be every 5 games you've got to do that. Right. It becomes exhausting. Like whatever's causing that to happen starts to drain the life out of your building. It starts to drain the life out of your like the team plane, let's say, the team bus, um the the the, the hotel and and when you're on the road and and you know the the groups that are going out to eat dinners together and do things together. Those are all like fountains if you will to steal like this is a kobe altman thing from the cast he talked about fountains and drains right so if you were a fountain you brought something to the team like you gave something to the team right and so the bus the plane the hotel those are fountains of energy right everyone's supposed to have a good time on the plane and on the bus you know what i mean like those are those are you're with your boys you're with your family you're hanging out you're playing some cards you're you're you're, you're having a drink like you're talking a little stuff like Those are the good times. And so when you've got this type of stuff taking place and it's negative, those things become drains. Everybody's on the bus like this. Everybody's got their headphones on. No one's, you know, no one's doing anything together. Like they, you don't want to be around each other anymore. Uh, and so it becomes a draining thing. And so when you go on the road with this funk, like it, it could actually, it could actually drain the life out of what is, what is, what is left in that season. You know, you got to be real careful not to have that funk and that, and this is my thing with Kyrie. And I don't mean to just go off on a tangent, but what you project out there, if you're a leader, you have to carry yourself a different way than the guy who's not leading does. If I'm not the leader, yeah, I can sit over there and be pissy and come in here and and have a, a chip on my shoulder and be a butthead. Like, I can do that. But when I'm the face of the franchise... I can't wear that. I can't walk into the arena saying I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna miss this when I get done playing. Like that, you can't do that. Everyone sees it and people take their cues from you. So if you're walking in prior to a huge game with that type of, you don't think the whole team saw that? Like you don't think that hit Twitter two seconds later and everybody's like, god damn, Kyrie's coming in here, he's already pissed. Like you know what I mean? You can't do that when you're a leader.
2: So I want to follow up on that and actually, one of our other topics we'll talk about right now, which is that the the state of the NBA and Adam Silver was talking about how most young players, quote, aren't happy because of the uh what he said was like an anxiety look, generation. That
1: Kyrie, that look, that clip there supports what Adam Silver saying that like, that's absurd for him to be coming into the the arena, pissed and unhappy to go to like to play a game you love to play. That's that's telling.
2: Yeah. So the NBA commissioner was talking about the vibe when he gets, when he, Meet some of his players, especially some of the stars, saying a lot of them feel isolated, unhappy, despite the league obviously prospering and guys are making uh, good money. He said, quote, uh, if you're around a team in this day and age, there are always headphones on, players are isolated and they have their heads down. Um, that's just sort of some of the things that he observed. I think, I don't think it's unique to these players. Uh, I don't think it's something that's just going around superstar athletes. It's a generational issue. And if you look at the NBA, which we've lauded so many times about how they're in tune with their fans and the reason why we love the NBA, because it is a year-round sport with all the off-season drama, especially the one we had a couple years ago. It really struck with me because now that I think about what we're saying with a Kyrie or really with anybody now, like generation-wise, NBA-wise, like remember when, remember when, like, a team could offer you the fifth-year deal over the four-year deal, more money, and yeah. they're supposed to keep you in town or keep you happy because they could offer you more money. I can't even remember the last time someone actually took that five-year deal. I know Paul George was up for that and then kind of dipped out and exploring what his smaller deal is. But like what I'm saying is like now it's like these guys sign these these longer-term deals, but after a year, if things aren't going well, they're already looking to bounce. Like they're
1: yeah, like, well, everyone wants that immediate gratification now, right? Like very few people in general, this isn't just athletes, to Adam Silver's point, like, not, like people want it now. Like there's very little patience in, in, in building and, and waiting it out and, and having to sacrifice and do the dirty work that it takes to become a champion, right? So a lot of guys, yeah, if things aren't working, like it's like give me what I need. Like I can always grab my phone like if I'm bored and, and, and get what I need right now, you know? And so there there is some of that to be said, you know, about this generation. But as it pertains to people being happy playing a sport, now, I think that's really I think that's really interesting and it's a sad thing. Like, yes, there were parts of my MBA career or there were times in my MBA career that I may have been slightly depressed about how I was performing. Like, do you know what I mean? Not like a clinical depression, but just feeling bad about not performing the way I wanted to perform or my circumstances on the team or, you know, like whether or not we were performing as a team the way that we should. Like, yeah, you're not always going to feel great, but generally speaking on a whole I was so happy to be in the NBA and I felt so, you know, honored to be a part of that and be able to play, um, just any game, regular season, preseason, even go to practice. Like that was my happy place. I love that. Um, so it's sad for me. Like I'm not, it's not a, this isn't a derogatory thing towards Kyrie or any other player in the NBA that may feel like that. Like I'm not casting judgment. I think it's sad though that this would be a place where you feel unhappy. Even before the thing starts. And I'm not even talking about, look, when we played national TV games, Tommy, I, dude, I was so fired up. Like, cause not every game's on national TV. Right. So when I, when you get to go out and perform and, and show the world what you've worked your whole life to, to perfect, and you get to sh- show that on the national stage, like that made it even better. And so again, like, it, 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 people might not put stock in it, but this is a nationally televised game that Kyrie's coming into, crumpy, cursing like before the game is even started there is no reason for that to take place and so that again it gives you some real insight into what that environment is like there in boston and if adam silver is saying i'm not around nba locker rooms anymore i stay away from the game for the most part but if he's saying that more people than not have this affect man that's sad for me
2: yeah, I, I couldn't even imagine being a player in the league, whether you got 14,000 followers, 50,000 followers, or a million followers. Like, it's just, you have a bad game. I, I, I would like to say that I'm not gonna hit up my notifications or my mentions, but we're all human, right? Like, you're all gonna look up, and it's so obviously for Boston, or any player when you're not doing well, to try to avoid that, it's toxic. Yeah, if You can get caught up in that, like, easily. Tommy, you can't,
1: if you are the type of person that has a million followers, you need that Validation. Like you need- positive Who needs a million followers? Like, and I'm not- Look, okay, yes I am casting judgment. Who the hell needs a million followers? I don't need a million people knowing what I'm doing all the time or giving me positive feedback. I certainly don't want a million people giving me negative feedback. But a person that does need a million followers, that wants to show you every single thing that they do all the time, mm-hmm. they can't just shut it off when things go bad. Like that same positive, like reinforcement that they want, that same, hey man dude, super dope dog, look at you, like that same guy who wants that, When it goes negative, he's not gonna just stop looking at his phone, like he's looking at the phone. And so, like, again, this, this is personal, I don't want that. I, I, I need three people telling me I did it wrong,
2: not three million. Welcome back, Kennell and Bell. Time to talk Trey Young, the dude who's been lighting it up. Man. On a streak lately. He dropped, what, 36 at Houston last week. And then this is an interesting thing because the backstory is, uh, Atlanta, Chicago played each other twice in like three or four days. Yeah. They had like that four OT game mm-hmm. we last week. Right. And so then yesterday it's flipped. They got Atlanta in Chicago. And then so Trey Young and Chris Dunn kind of got into it already. Uh, the first quarter, this is the first quarter one where Young hits a shot and then Dunn like smacks him. Uh out of in the shoulder. New, New London, Denver, Connecticut. Right? And there's Robin Stand Lopez, up the traveling Lopez brothers yeah. breaking it up. So that was in the first quarter. Then here in the third quarter, uh, hit the three, stare down. And teed up. Like what? That's ridiculous. Wait. Huh?
1: Yet again the NBA officials are wrong. You've made a mistake. You do not kick a star. You don't kick Trey Young, the only thing going in Atlanta. He had 49 the night before. Like, he's really the, he's the guy in Atlanta, right? Like, I don't mean to dismiss the rest of their players, but Trey Young's the guy in Atlanta. He's what people want to see. He's the marquee name. You kick him out for hitting a three and, and staring at a guy who's walking away. The guy's not even looking at him. He's walking away. Like, that's so stupid. What's even more stupid is the fact that he had a tech to begin with. If you saw the exchange between Chris Dunn and, 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 um, Trey Young, Trey Young shoots a ball after the buzzer goes off. Chris Dunn, Walks into him and bumps him. Okay. That's the instigator right there. All right. Trey Young kind of dismisses it with a little like, yo, get off me. You could have left that. Al- it could have been left alone. Chris Dunn then walks over and smacks the back of Trey Young's head. That is a single technical foul on Chris Dunn for smacking Trey Young. It's not a double tech. The double tech is what gets me, Tommy. I got to right. be a, the, the double tech. Cause I was on my fair share of, of the, of the double tech, right? If, if someone shoves me and I just stand there, why do I got to get a tech? What am I supposed to do after I get the back of my head cuffed? Am I supposed to just walk over to the bench and be like, okay, he'll handle it. It's not a double tech. It's a tech on Chris Dunn. Trey Young should not have a single tech. And so if you give him the tech for staring, which is absurd, he's only got one tech. But those guys should not be kicked out of games. Fans should not lose the right to watch Trey Young coming off of a 49 point performance oh, in, in, in Chicago because he stared at the back of Chris Dunn's head. It's stupid.
2: Uh, to piggyback off of that too, Russell Westbrook also picking up text underneath his breath. You want to throw the boogie thing into it with the shoe? I mean, obviously. Look, this is, this is, the, the game is, it's, the score's
1: tied two, 2-2. Two. It's, it's tied 2-2. Two, two. Like, I, I don't know what he could have said. I didn't see the exchange, but I think that's James. Is that James Washington? I, I don't, I don't know who that is, but he's a long time ref. Um, I, again, I just, I don't believe that. So what happens here, okay? Russ picks up that tech for some absurd reason, right, where a ref could have just chosen to walk away. Whatever happened, it's 2-2. There couldn't have been that much of an exchange, Tommy. This isn't something that's that's worked its way up to a head over three quarters and the ref is finally fed up. The score is 2-2. So the game just started. Ref, walk away. What happens now if you get in one of these situations where somebody shoves Russ? There's no PG, right? There's no PG in the game, so it's only Russ. Russ gets into a, a like a little shoving match And you hand out the dreaded stupid double tech And now Russ is out of the game Do you understand what I'm saying I, yeah. Now you lose your star So I really do think refs need to do a better job Of either A In a double tech situation Figuring out who started in Who was the real instigator And getting rid of Give that player the tech okay. Don't give the double tech And then B In situations where you don't have to engage with the player Just walk away Don't Don't just walk away Have a little bit thicker skin Like, Russ was not up in an official's face yelling and screaming. Walk away. The score is 2-2. This is not an accumulation of Russ complaining. Just walk away, James Washington, or whatever your name is, and let's live to play another day.
2: James Capers, right? James Capers. There he is. um, To your point, too, with the refs, and and I'm just playing devil's advocate, but, like, if it's like Russ, Draymond, Boogie, KD, KD, is there an onus on them to also, and even if it's – Again, even if it's just Russ whispering underneath his breath there in an early couple minutes of the game, is there anything on a players' side that they got to be like, "Look, I got to
1: yeah, uh, yeah." You you don't go up, you don't berate the officials, right? You don't show them up, you don't curse at them. You're not in your face. You're not. Sh- the, what used to be the verbiage for it was "Don't show us up." That was what a ref said. "Don't show us up," and that could be demonstrative or dismissive or like cursing them up. They don't want to be embarrassed. Like it's human. I can I can appreciate that. So if a ref gives a guy a tech, um, for doing that, I support it. So to your question, yes, players should not do any of that, right? And, you know, refs are human too, so they're going to make mistakes. But in this, in this situation, if a player is saying something under his breath, he's a grown man. He's 34 years old. James Capers walk away. So that, yeah, I do put some onus on players. There are times, and I don't mean to be like, Players should never get a tech. Sure they should. When they deserve a tech and they earn a tech and they've done enough. If this was a situation where he had been badgering James Capers for two quarters in his ear every time there was a call. Just complaining, 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 complaining. And James Caper finally had enough and said, all right, I'm going to tech you up so you stop. I'll support it. The score was 2-2, Tommy. There were two minutes into the game. There's no good reason unless he physically or verbally assaulted you for you to be giving him a tech.
2: Uh, wrap things up, but we do have the transcript of the Atlanta-Chicago game on Trey Young. Why did he receive the first technical foul? Crew Chief Marcos at Aote. Uh First technical foul was given during a dead ball. During the timeout for physical contact, each player made physical contact with each other, so double technical foul on both.
1: No. It's not the way that... This is so infuriating me. It's not the way that worked. Chris Dunn... The, you could have left... That whole thing would have went away. When Chris Dunn comes back and smacks Trey Young in the back of the head. I disagree with you having to give Trey Young a uh after Trey Young got smacked, he didn't try to get at Chris Dunn. He didn't turn around and run at him and try to fight him or anything like that. You could have assessed Chris Dunn the technical foul, sent them both on their ways, everything would have been fine.
2: All right, moving on to The Shop. We were talking about it going into the weekend. Anthony Davis, Antonio Brown with LeBron. I think it was the fourth episode, but they're already on season 2 yeah. of The Shop already, by the way. Um AB Relentless on on Big Ben. Of course, she had an interview uh, also with ESPN, saying, "quote I don't even have to play football if I don't want. I don't even need the game. I don't need to prove anything or nothing to no one. If they want to play, they're going to play by my rules. If not, I don't need to play. Obviously, I want the game, but I don't need the game. It's a difference."
1: Oh, uh, good for listen. Good, it, good for AB on one hand. Like if you've done well enough. Um, you've been smart enough with, with your money that you don't need football anymore. Football is no longer the means to the end. Um, it, it, fine. I'm okay with that. Um, I, I don't know how you're going to get people to play by your rules necessarily. Like the, the rules aren't made by you just generally as athletes. We don't make the rules. We, we play by the rules. That's the way it works. So, you know, I am interested to, to, I'd like to know, like, what do you mean by that? What rules do they have to play by to get you to provide the service of playing football? I, I, I that's interesting to me. Um, I don't have a problem with him airing out the Ben stuff Okay. because I'm not a Ben fan. Well, I can appreciate Ben for what he's done and 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 the type of quarterback play and the championship and all of that. I, I do not like the way Ben leads either. I don't like the guy who throws everyone else under the bus when things go bad and is fully um, – uh, um, like basking in 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 the glory when things go well individually, like never heaping praise on people when when it's time to soak in the adulation. Right? I'll soak all of this adulation in mine, 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 and then when there's there's negativity, them, 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 them. I don't love that, and so I'm fine with him putting Ben on blast and pulling back the curtain to what he's like behind closed doors because the Steelers, um, you know, obviously Ben's camp, like they would like to paint a picture of, of what. What
2: he, what he is for us that might not necessarily be true. They've clearly taken obviously sides and they're taking Ben's side, but he's on the other side of his 30s right now instead of going with a Le'Veon Bell or an Antonio Brown, which are getting to their 30s and in Brown's case 31 this summer. Uh, on the shop, he's saying, you know, all you have to go do is call me out. We lose the game. He's like, damn, AB should have ran a better route. Uh, the type of guy he is, he feels like he's the owner. Bro, you threw the beep to a D-lineman. What the beep? I'm over here wide open. Uh, you need to give me a better ball. The one thing, okay, and, and I get you talking about you're okay with him airing that part out, but, like, him talking right now, like, you got to play by my rules. Like, why can't, why shouldn't, because, you know, you have some front office experience, but it's like, if you're a front office person right now, like, how are you viewing this? Like, like he just should just chill until he gets traded because it's like, it's not, he's not a free agent and now he's just saying all these things. And then what do you imagine he, character wise, would be able to bring to a team if he's just yapping away? He's very close
1: to a point of no return with NFL teams. You know what I mean? Like, and I wonder who's in AB's camp. Like, I don't know AB, um, but he should stop now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because every, see, every player thinks they're irreplaceable. They really do. Every player thinks like, hey man, especially when you're of that ilk. You know what I mean? When you're when you're you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game, you think that no one can do it without you. You're mistaken. Like there'll come a point where you've done enough in the media and enough negativity to your brand where teams will say, Not worth it. And they'll find another dude and nah, he won't be as good as you, but he'll get the job the job done serviceably enough. A B you're almost there, dude. Like someone's gonna take a swing on you. It'll happen, right? But if you if you don't stop eventually someone, most people will be like, no, we don't We don't want the headache. We don't need it. And so I would caution A.B. at this point, like you've said your piece. Like you've told everyone the way that is. And I agree with you. Ben Ben Roethlisberger, no need to throw him under the bus at the end of that game. Mm. You know what I mean? Take the ownership. You threw the interception. No need to throw it on anybody else. If you feel like you need to say that, you need to say that Ben thinks he's the owner and they, and they coddle Ben and all that. I'm fine with that. Now stop before you have enough teams say that there's no interest in bringing you into their building because of your personality,
2: there's no market for you, and you quickly realize um, that they can do it without you because it
1: happens to a lot of players.
2: Hopefully he's got someone in his camp advising, but at the end of the day, he's just a grown man. He can either, yeah, I'm going to take some of that advice or not, nah, I'm going to blow through it and do all these interviews which no. he's done uh,
0: recently.